So, Rachel? Yeah? Picard is in search of Ambassador Spock, who may have defected to the Romulan Empire. What do you think you're going to get? He won't have. That's my guess. (laughs) (laughs) Shortest guess? Okay. Ever. All right. (laughs) I think I might be right, though. Let's find out. Star Trek! Captain's log, Stardate 45233.1. Our terraforming mission to Doraf 1 has been cancelled and the Enterprise recalled to Starbase 234. Fleet Admiral Brackett would not discuss the matter on subspace for reasons she said would soon be clear. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackett. And I am Chris Lackey, and we are at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and Patreon. This episode I was very excited about. It is called Unification Part 1. Yeah, and uh, neither of our songs is relevant, really. It's a two-parter, but we're not doing one thing as a two-parter like we did with the movies. Right. And we're not doing two things in one episode, but we haven't had the song for a while, so let's have the two-parter song. Yes, sir, we got a two-part show, half of the press of one. Leave the dock with double cargo, that'll take twice as long. Yeah, let's have twice the fun. Nobody called for a two-part show, but it's too much to review. Jones, it's the next gen, let it go, and quit your hullabaloo. We're splitting the mints at two. Hey, hello, old friend. I miss that guy. (laughs) Uh, This was written by Jerry Taylor, uh, based on a story by Rick Berman and Michael Piller. Directed by good old Les Landau. He's back. And I want to say happy 25th anniversary to Star Trek. Oh. The time of this episode. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Six was in planning and they thought it would be a good idea to do some cross promotion with TNG. Well, that feels really weird. We're kind yeah. of going back in time. Because you've already seen Six. Ages ago. Yeah. Well, if you recall, there is a wharf in part six in the movie. Michael Dorn plays his ancestor. Oh, so that's a pretty big deal. Nimoy said he would work on this episode for union minimum salary, and that was just because he wanted to promote the movie. So that's cool. Yeah, cool. He'll have reference to the events that are going to happen in Star Trek VI in the next episode, Reunification Part Two. Yeah, oh, okay. That movie hasn't come out yet, so it's kind of like a... Spoiler, no. Well, teaser. Teaser, teaser. And there are references to TNG apparently in the movie. So well, let yeah. us know what those are. Obviously, Worf's ancestor. Yeah. Let me know what other ones you spotted, guys. We open on Fleet Admiral Brackett oh. telling Picard what's up and doing so while never looking in his direction <laughs> while he's framed over her shoulder, which is the first of Les Landau's clunky directorial innovations for this episode. He must have been on some kind of director's retreat or much more theatrical ways of doing well, scenes look he's you know doing the same thing over and over again it's got to be really repetitive so I, if i was well, him i'd want to change it up a bit the camera shots are wearing them <laughs> in this case they sure, very distracting they sure are it just makes her look like a bad actor um, karen hensel will also appear in deep space nine as the bajoran dealer She's best known as Doris in The Young and the Restless, which she played from 94 to 2000 and again in 2009. Mm. She might be really good for all I know, but she didn't come across great in this. She reveals to Picard that Ambassador Spock is missing. 
intelligence suggests that he's on Romulus. Romulus. Yeah. If he has defected, he will have, as I said. I mean, there's no way. No. Come on, it's Spock. If he has, though, let's go with it. He could have told them all the Federation's secrets. So, you know, that's dangerous. Sure. When you first watched it, everyone and Chris, did you know it was going to be a Spock episode? I can't remember, but I think so, because I think there was a lot of promotion of this. Yes, because it's supposed to have been the most watched since the pilot, so that must have been the case. Yes, yeah. I think we all knew that Spock was going to be on, and we were all jazzed. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Because you've been watching him in the movies lately, by this point. Yeah, well, the last movie we saw was Star Trek V, which wasn't great, Uh but we were loving TNG at this point, so it Mm. was, you know, like one of the best shows on TV. And to have some Spock sprinkled on that, oh my Aww. goodness. It's like when you camp friends, meet your school friends, and they all get along. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Just like that. I'm guessing. I don't know when to camp. Um, <laughs> you know, they do a big Spock reveal in this scene, but it's the first scene, so I presume people knew. Let's see how long we have to wait <laughs> to actually see him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably not long since it's a Spock episode. Sure, yeah. Picard reminds us of his mind meld with Sarek a year earlier. They head to Vulcan to inform Sirik, but they find out that he's dying. Thank you, TNG, for reminding me. Oh, right, <laughs> Because yeah. it was important, semi-important to know. Well, that. It, it ties Picard into the drama, the family drama that's going yeah. on intimately because he's shared his mind with Sarek, so he yeah, knows what's going on. Yeah, increased investment for him. We now go into a B-plot that apparently Vulcan debris was recovered from a crashed Ferengi cargo ship uh, the debris has been sent to Vulcan for further analysis. Riker is going to assist. This all seems really strange to me because yeah. why is the Enterprise doing this? Why is this their job? It, they have a whole planet of Vulcans right there. This doesn't seem like any kind of Federation business whatsoever. It was a mm. crash Ferengi freighter. Oh, why they've got Vulcan stuff. That's odd. Yeah, we're all experts too. Let's work that out. Yeah, it was hard to get invested in it. Yeah, mm. it seemed a little for. I mean, once it goes on, I'm interested. Yeah, okay. But the it felt shoehorned in in the very beginning, and I'm yeah. sure it's going to cross over into the other plot line. Ah, okay. Sarek's wife Perrin beams over. Wild costume this time. Very yeah. TOS in its kind of nativity play, Three Kings vibes. <laughs> it's way too much going on. <laughs> Jewelry and yeah. different head pieces and dresses. She's all over Picard's mint tea though. Because Vulcan mint is gross. She's easily pleased. Doesn't take much. But it's a stranger in a strange land type thing, you know. She's human and she's putting up with things being different. Yeah. Quite grateful to have a taste of home. That's what I do every day. (laughs) What gives you a taste of home when you go to America? Pancakes? Sweet toast. Sweet toast? (laughs) Yeah, the bread's so much sweeter there. Now, Perrin is played, uh, as she was in season three, episode Sarek, by Joanna Miles. And if you want to know more about her, we're going to just send you back to that episode because I don't want to repeat it. (laughs) Yeah. She reveals that Spock tidied up his affairs before he's gone. So she doesn't think that he's been abducted, Mm. but he didn't say goodbye to Sarek. Oh, dear. Now there's a a rift that's going on between Sarek and Spock, I guess because of the Federation-Cardassian War. They're making peace with the Cardassians and maybe Sarek doesn't think they should or Mm. Spock thinks that they shouldn't i don't know mm. who's taking what side it wasn't a great relationship to start with let's be honest oh of course yeah i'm surprised spock wanted to live near his dad yeah picard asks if he can see Sarek. he wants to talk to him and see if he can give him any insight to what's going on with spock she says well i wouldn't normally let anybody see him but since you and him have mind melded i think it 
it would be all right. Yeah. Picard finds Sarek in bed and restless. We get this. His emotions have taken over. Sometimes I can bring him out of it. Sarek, <clears throat> you will listen. Go from me. Picard is here. No more chaos. I will leave you alone with him. He will either acknowledge you or he won't. Sarek, I've come a long way to see you. I will not answer. I must talk to you about your son. I wish no one with me. About Spock. Spock? Yes. He's missing. Is that you? Picard. Hello, old friend. Oh, poor Sarek, poor Perrin, poor everyone. What a terrible situation. Beautifully yeah. played scene this one. I enjoyed it a lot. It Did made, you? It be, yeah, but it yeah. made me very sad. Mm. It, it's, it feels like it really taps into dealing with somebody that you care about that's going through dementia. Mm -hmm. and it, Sometimes they're themselves again and then it's lost. Yeah, it's, it's hard and it's sad too because I know it's the end of Sarek. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. And apparently Leonard chose to come back for this he saw the script and it felt like King Lear. And I can see where how he makes that reference to ungrateful children oh, who right, yeah. father is disconnected from. He becomes lucid. His weakened emotional control as the result of his illness means he's gesturing and speaking more like a human would now yeah. and gets to do some, you know, full on acting, yeah. which is nice for him. Sarek says Spock may be meeting with Pardek, a Romulan senator who Spock met and befriended at the Kitama conference decades ago. There you go. That's a reference to Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Right. Spock was optimistic about continuing dialogue with the Romulans. Hmm. The scene continues like this. Do you know what business they might have together? No. I never knew what Spock was doing. When he was a boy, he would disappear for days into the mountains. I would ask him where he had gone, what he had done. He refused to tell me. I insisted that he tell me. He would not. I forbade him to go. He ignored me. I punished him. He endured it silently, but always he returned to the mountains. One might as well ask we were not to run. But secretly, I... Admired him, the proud call of him that would not yield. Sorry. We're a part of each other. I know that he has caused you pain, but I also know that you love him. Tell him, Picard. 
peace and long life. Live long then. And live long and Card has to hold Sark's fingers to help him make the Vulcan hand gesture. Oh wow! How Very vulnerable! He can't even do that. Can't even finish his own catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> That's making little of it. It was moving, wasn't it? It was. It was yeah. very moving, and it's sad too because he really desperately wants Spock to be there, and he's not going to be there, mm. which is really kind of heartbreaking. We find out that to see Spock, they're going to need to go into the neutral zone. And to Romulus, basically. And to do that, they're going to need a cloaked ship. Hooray! So it's time <laughs> Let's to... bring the Klingons in. Yay! It's time to get that favor back from Gowron. They hail him for three days, and they... And Gowron just ghosts <sighs> Picard. What? Oh, it's I so... I hate that. Rude. Outrageous. He's too important now. <sighs> Worf notes that Gowron has been kind of rewriting history, claiming he solely... It was all him that ended the Klingon Civil War. Gas, well people are like when they get famous isn't it oh yeah we do some more enhancing of security footage to see pardek with spock it's just data being great and saving yeah. the day and working everything out really quickly of course data tells picard that pardek has been a senator for nine decades and is considered a radical by the romulan senate because he's an advocate for peace mm. well it seems like somebody that spock might connect with of then. course yeah yeah they finally get a call back from chronos to be told by a junior adjunct. Oh, they sent a junior to do uh, it. Uh, not even an adjunct, a junior <laughs> adjunct. Uh, that Garon's just too busy to meet with Picard. And we get this. Tell Garon, leader of the High Council of the Klingon Empire, that his arbiter of succession, Jean-Luc Picard, needs a favor. A favor? I require a cloaked vessel. A cloaked vessel? This is no small favor, Captain. It is for a mission that could have repercussions throughout the Quadrant. How would it benefit the Klingon Empire? I'm sure Garon will ask. The only benefit to the Klingon Empire would be our gratitude. That is what you want me to tell him? Yes. And please add that if he is unable to provide us with a ship, then I am sure there are others in the Klingon Empire would be willing to help me and then they would have our gratitude i see also please tell garon that i am immensely gratified that he is prospering so well a tribute to his skilled leadership Oh, Woo. yeah. Picard's going in hard. You've got to with Klingons. Yeah. you got to play them Klingon-y style and square up, haven't you? Oh, yeah. He does it in a Picard-style uh, dignified way, but yeah. he's not going to be taking any guff. No. Bev is in this episode, briefly. She is. <laughs> and gives us the tidbit that Picard and Data will be fitted for wigs by Mott. Because she's measuring them for their prosthetics that they're going to have. Using some kind of laser tool. Yeah. Cool. Whether fortunately or unfortunately, we don't see that scene with Mott. I don't know if they 
filmed it or not. Who needs that? They just want to bring up Mike. LaForge has determined that the debris that they found on the Frankie cargo ship is part of a deflector array from a Vulcan ship called Tapau. Don't too far, your dreams are China in your hands. That ship was scrapped years <laughs> ago and is in the scrapyard. Yeah, okay. Which is just out in space. That's weird to me. Well, things won't move in space if, you know, there's no breeze or anything like that. If you just leave it there, it'll <laughs> yeah. stay there. Right, yeah. But they're going around moving bits from one ship to another. And mm. it's all spread out loads. Why don't they just bunch it all together at least? Picard and Data's Uber Cloaked has showed up. They go oh. aboard and head to Romulus while the Enterprise goes in the other direction towards Quaylor 2 to get the debris checked out. The whole ship. We don't know why that's their job, but they are doing it. Uber cloaked is expensive. How would you get into the Uber cloaked, though? You wouldn't know it had arrived, would you? They'd beat me on. Oh. Star Trek 4. Klingon Captain Kavada knows that Spock is defected and they're going after him, so the word is out. He shows Picard and Data to their quarters on the ship, which they are going to have to share. We are a military ship, not a pleasure craft, he says. I <laughs> love it. Kavada is played by Stephen Root. He was Jimmy James on News Radio, Milton on Office Space, that mm. movie from 1999, very popular. Uh, he was the voices of Bill and Buck Strickland on King of the Hill. Uh, I used to like that. He was in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Dodgeball, Idiocracy, True Blood, and he's currently on the HBO dark comedy series Barry. He does lots of work. Wow, we've seen loads of those actually. Yeah. But we've most recently seen him as Charles's dad, Lynn, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's great, really funny. And not in this, but... <laughs> no, no. Yeah. He's a really good actor, because yeah. I didn't recognize him. It's just a weirdly shaped small room that Picard and Data are offered with a bare wooden sleep platform, not to soften their bodies, and a console. Picard's cool about it and lays down for a lovely sleep, with Data just standing there as they enter the neutral zone. Ah, oh, they should try that on the car map. Imagine how relaxing right, that situation yeah. would be. That'd be great. Do that as a sleep story, yeah. The Enterprise arrives at a Federation scrapyard for decommissioned ships. The quartermaster is a Zakdorn named Klim Dokachin, and he gives them the bureaucratic runaround. Klim mm. is played by Graham Jarvis. Incredible costume. One of my favorites ever of TNG. It's really good. Thick olive-colored fabric with the goose poo green on the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it rolls at the neck as though there's a foam ring in there. It's got a cardinal kind of silhouette with the peplum, calf-length robe with matching trousers, and three big embroidered insignias with gold tails painted. Oh, so great. Mm. Loved it. Now, the prosthetics for the Zakdorn look like saggy folds on their face. Mm, uh, I recognized that. Yeah, we saw the species before in a peak performance where Kolrami beat Riker at Stratagema. Oh, yeah. And then, remember, Data played him, and he beat Data, and he's like, I'm better than a computer. And the Data's like, I don't know how to beat him. And then mm. tried not to win, just to to match him. That was the trick. And, oh. the, and the guy gave but, up. Oh, because it would have just gone on forever. Yeah. And today's costume is a massive elevation of the one worn in that episode. Yeah. We get a nice Riker scene here with Docker Chin refusing to accept his authority and repeatedly hanging up on them, which he just can't believe. Keeps turning to Troy baffled. Uh -huh. And then Troy does something. Yeah. She advises that he'll have to be treated as the king of his own hill. And she's able to persuade him to help just by being a woman from the sounds of yeah. it. He charms her back by talking about the 14-foot eel he once found in a junkyard and still has. 
I'll show it to you if you'd like to see it. <laughs> yeah, he actually manages to deliver that line in a totally non-creepy way, yeah. which is credit to the actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's just really proud of that eel. Yeah. Yeah. They arrive at the coordinates of Tapau, but it's gone. He finds its deflector array was sent to the USS Tripoli, a holding vessel. So they go there to see what's up with the Tripoli, and it's missing too. Uh-oh. I can't believe everything's logged by coordinates, but it just looks like chaos. And everything's just hanging around looking like a bunch of debris and dead ships. Well... How is that a shipyard? What do you want to do with it? Well, I want it all bunched together. <laughs> well, what if on, they want on something. If, I mean, it's space. They've got plenty of room, so they don't yeah. have to bunch everything together. Yeah, but fuel to go between. They're always moving stuff from one thing to another. I don't see anything wrong with Why it. Why is it so spread out? It's really bothering you. I like I'm, it. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> There is a transport of deuterium storage tanks to be sent to the Tripoli in two hours. Are they just storing things in things? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't understand what's going on with this. And it's not very well explained. No. I even read on Memory Alpha, they just kind of say that all this stuff is happening and don't go into any detail about why or how or what's this process. Yeah. I don't, I don't, just have to go with it, I guess. So the Tripoli, is it a working ship or was it just another dead ship that they stored stuff in? Which is what I don't understand. Yeah, I presume it was a dead ship, but then why are they putting things in it? Uh, yeah, I, again, I'm not sure. Mm. The Enterprise pretends to be abandoned. They shut down all the power and waits. And we get a bit of light comedic relief with Picard <laughs> trying to sleep while Data is just standing there calculating about, you know, how he should behave as a Romulan to make the illusion work yeah it's worse when he realizes data's facing him he's not actually looking at him no. but it looks feels like he is there's some comedic stuff going on there because he goes you know it's fine sir i'll turn away and then he does the slow turn with his body but his eyes are mm -hmm. still on picard yeah <laughs> oh, Brent's always it's, good. it's very funny uh, picard gives up and just gets back to work it's amusing not hilarious no but they do the best they can with the material there was no point going to sleep anyway he's just got a call to say Sarek has died mm. meanwhile a ship arrives at the Tripoli's coordinates and it's this very odd looking ship we haven't seen it before it's almost black or yeah. gunmetal gray it doesn't have very many lights on it so you can't really get a good look at it it looks a bit like Darth Vader's helmet a little bit yeah I could see I can see that it's heavily armed and Riker gets tough he says, you know, hey, what are you doing? And then they shoot on the Enterprise, and Riker <sighs> keeps it cool. Cheek of it. Even though Worf is saying it's, it could match us with armament. This thing is armed to the teeth. Yeah. And he goes, well, just target their weapons only. Get their attention. So merciful. So he shoots the weapons. It hits. <laughs> There's too many weapons on the ship. Yeah. And it explodes. Yeah. I don't know why it was important to the story that the whole thing exploded, but I guess they just needed to get rid of it or something? Yeah. If they captured them and, and questioned them, you would get the answers too soon. So uh, they're going to okay. have to do some kind of investigation on the debris of the ship and track it down. And Good point. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's it. Cut to Data and Picard, Romulan style. Mm. They look good, don't they? Yeah. In spite of the massive shoulders. They're risking death, though, if they're found, so this feels carelessly rushed to me. Can't they wait a couple of days to tell Spock by doing some lessons and accent work and that's hubris to expect you can just fit in because you're wearing the prosthetics and the clothes oh yeah well here's the thing that totally bugs me too is that the Klingon knows what's going on 
if this Klingon dude knows what's going on, that means the Romulans know what's going oh, on. Oh, right, yeah. So if the Romulans know what's going on, they're going to be waiting for you there. It, it seems pretty rough. And then, like, what's going on with Spock? I mean, we'll get more next episode. But things keep happening. And I keep thinking to myself, well, why is that going on? Why is this mm. happening? And it's a little annoying in this episode. Data, a better empath than most people, notes that Picard seems more pensive than usual. He's so sweet. <laughs> I know we can just take factual readings of sure. somebody's facial expressions to do it, but um, it's always nice and strange when they mm. use him in that way. And of course, it's Sarek's death and being part of each other that's getting to Picard. And now he has to tell Spock Sarek's died. And we get this. I do not entirely understand, sir. As a Vulcan, Ambassador Spock would simply see death as the logical result of his father's illness. It's never quite that simple, not even for a Vulcan. Certainly not for Spock, who is half human. Years spent in conflict. And now the chance to resolve those differences is gone. Considering the exceptionally long lifespan of Vulcans, it does seem odd that Sarek and Spock did not choose to resolve those differences in the time allowed. Father and son, both proud, both stubborn, more alike than either of them are prepared to admit. A lifetime spent building emotional barriers. They're very difficult to break down. And now the time has come and it's too late. It's a difficult moment. It's a lonely one. It's a moment that Spark is about to face. Mm. Picard thinking about his own dad there. Could be, yeah. And his reunion with his brother. Mm. And bad blood in the family, perhaps. Yeah. Nice bit of bathos next, though, as Captain Cavada tells them they look so sweet and that a Romulan lady might lick the paint off Data's ears. <laughs> oh, no, it's just paint. They haven't actually dyed his skin or yeah, something. Yeah, I thought that they would do so. Well, I mean, Data is synthetic, so I don't know what they would do. Mm. To, no, she said they were going to dye him. Yeah, she said, uh, hopefully we can turn the color back afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But I thought for sure that they would medically alter Picard. Yeah. So that he would look like him. But no, they're just prosthetics that he puts on. Yeah, they medically alter Kirk back in the day to be Romulan, don't they? And they did with Riker on the planet with uh, right. BB. Yes, it was just his internal organs that got right. him found out. Uh -huh. That's right. Oh, yeah, it was BB. He just looked suddenly really happy. <laughs> She's great. Remembering that. They beam down and Kavada says, I won't rescue you. So you're on your own. Yeah. But Senator Pardek already knows they're coming. You were right. Mm -hmm. And security will be waiting. Who's been flapping the lips? Why does everybody know about this? Everybody's flapping. Pardek is played by Malachi Throne, Ronberry's original choice for Dr. Philip Boyce in The Cage. But he turned it down not wanting to play the third man. Oh. <laughs> Remember him? He gave, uh, gave Pike a martini and some advice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he wanted to be Spock in the original oh, series. Oh, well. Good luck. Too bad. He voiced the Talosian Keeper, who was portrayed by a woman. He also played Commodore Mendez in the Menageries 1 and 2, where they pitched, altered his uh, Talosian voice so he wouldn't be recognized. It would be different. <laughs> Doesn't sound like they really thought that through, does it? <laughs> Two people playing different roles in one episode. <laughs> in Deep Space Nine, there is an actor that plays three roles in one episode. Oh, right. Yeah. It's like Big Mama's House or something. Kind of. Well, oh, just, but it's not supposed to be It's funny. one of these actors. You no, know, it is funny. It's okay. one of these actors, uh, Jeffrey Combs. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of Star Trek. And we saw him live. When you proposed to me. The night that we proposed. We saw Stuart Gordon's play, Nevermore. Yeah. 
and uh, he they keep using him as different characters, aliens. So he has different prosthetics, mm-hmm. and he's a good character actor. But they wrote an episode where like all of the characters they just keep showing up. <laughs> it's really funny. It's good. Now in the '60s, Throne. Uh, was in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Lost in Space, The Outer Limits, The Bionic Woman. In 2004, Throne played Captain Korog in the fan production Star Trek New Voyages in the episode In Harm's Way. All right, he's done a lot of stuff. Picard and Data find the spot where Pardek and Spock were standing in the picture. It's a lawyer's office, but it's closed. So they go to a restaurant where we have some business with them trying to eat gross-looking soup. Stuart's doing a great job, though, subtly showing how disgusting it is and being obviously not from there. I love Soup Woman, as credited at the end. (laughs) She ain't buying where they claim to be from. Uh They don't have the right accent. So sloppy. The latest episode of This American Life, I was listening to this week actually it's called the runaround and it includes a piece about american fugitives trying to blend in in mexico and they can't yeah (laughs) the way they walk dress express themselves totally different the law enforcement people say the americans wear flip-flops that are one size too big is one observation that they Uh have (laughs) yes tough to fit in this is an issue i have uh, again on star trek what's going on with the language they're speaking Mm. Are they speaking Romulan? Are oh, they speaking right. English? Right. Is the universal translator working? And oh. if that's the case, then how does she know what their accent is? Yeah, yeah, this is a very good point. It doesn't... They eh. must be speaking Romulan. There'd be no reason for the universal translator down there, would there? No, not at all. No, it can't no. just make it come out. Your lips wouldn't match. No, it uh, would not match. So Data could be speaking Romulan. Yes. I trust Picard to know many languages. Right. So maybe. Well, they could have, but they didn't. I don't know why they do do, do they do this. I guess universal translators, they just hand wavy them it around. Mm. Go on. Because they should have this part subtitled. Yes. Because oh, they would be speaking yeah. it, but they don't want to do that because it's a bunch of... They want people to actually want to watch it again <laughs> once they've come for Spock. Yeah. Pernick arrives and uniformed Romulans, the usual silver outfits, escort Data and Picard out to an underground chamber. So they've been busted, it seems. Oh, yeah. But don't worry, Pardek comes and welcomes them. The silver guys are in costume. They changed. They got other little outfits on underneath their uniforms. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what that was supposed to reveal. They're his assistants. Okay. And he's like, hey, welcome. Everything's great. Phew. Romulan security was on that you guys were coming because everybody knew you were coming. Yeah. You've been super sloppy about this. (laughs) And we've snuck you to safety. Yay. And we end with this. I have come on an urgent mission from the Federation. I'm looking for Ambassador Spock. Indeed. You have found him. Captain Picard. What a rip-off. One line. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. One no. line. I do admit that there was, I can vaguely remember being Excited to see him, but also like, what? Just that? <laughs> it's not even a cliffhanger because we know we're going to meet him. Yeah. So what's the purpose of him being in just one line? I suppose makes people have to see the next episode. Exactly. Yeah. So let's get into concepts. Well, it was a big one for you at the time. It was. Maybe many of you listening today. I'm sorry. I didn't care about Spock being back. Oh. Like, you know, I love him. Yeah. But I didn't need him necessarily sure nimoy was involved in writing the story keen that it be a peaceful theme mm-hmm. 
And I see from memory alpha that the Romulans are going through the metamorphosis towards logic like the Vulcans did. Big spoiler for me, probably, for the second part. They don't really... It doesn't really pan out in Star Trek. That's cool. That's a shame. I mean, they touch on it. It's part of it. But it's not like this huge, big change that happens in Romulan culture and everything's different. The Romulan's still Romulan. you got to keep them Romulan because that's the conflict. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Apparently, many production staff preferred part one. So that doesn't bode too well. (laughs) We had Romulans and Vulcans in peace talks, which I never expected them to touch on. Mm potentially going for some kind of reunion of Mm. the two species will they be trained in logic by the vulcans or will they just wait for evolution to take its course or maybe it just won't happen at all you're indicating should be a pretty big and cool concept it hasn't been introduced yet although we do know that spock and pardek are yeah in some kind of talks and they're both for peace Mm -hmm. it was about fathers and sons the unification for them was not possible, Sarek and Spock. Mm-hmm. And Sarek had that comment, sorry. <laughs> he did, as powerful as the scene was. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, you gotta kind of, when you're the dad, you gotta be the better person, I think, and suck it up. But, hmm. you know, what are you gonna do? Uh. You know, you were talking about how he leered it up and he took this role. He didn't know that they were gonna kill Sarek. Oh, he didn't what? find out until after the fact that Sarek died. That got me true. And he said that he thought the death was a bit chintzy and disrespectful to the character. Yeah, because he didn't want to be off the show, did he? No, and it was off screen. Mm, yeah, that is so odd. You, you just find out about him dying, so you don't get the, the whole thing. But Doohan told him, don't worry, it happened off screen, so it might be reversed. <laughs> might it? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, at least to give him hope. Yeah. Pillar also said that they were trying to unify TOS and TNG in the minds of fans. They had been analyzed competitively, mm. and this was a form of validation uh, from TOS for TNG. Okay, yeah. Which makes sense. If Spock's coming on saying, yeah, I'm I'm on here. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy is doing Spock, then yeah, okay, it's, it's legit. Yeah, okay, I see that. And as you said, it was the highest rated, most watched episode since the pilot of Next Generation. Yeah, that's what highest rated seems to mean in this context. Yeah. Not that it was most loved, yeah. We got more info on young Spock, also seen in the t- in the animated series episode Yesteryear, mm-hmm. uh, who Sarek said went out exploring for days and could not be stopped by punishment, and he wouldn't tell his dad what he'd been up to. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. just took his punishment and then went out and did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that fascinating. Yeah. To boldly go. There you go. Yeah, it was always meant to. We had references to Picard and Sarek's mind melds mm-hmm. as well, to invest Picard more in this and mean that he has to be the one to do it I guess. Mm -hmm. Star Trek 6 The Undiscovered Country was inspired by the collapse of the Soviet Union and this unification two-parter also drew on contemporary real world events namely the German reunification Mm, Okay, it's going on about the same time. Yeah so one thing I like about this episode is they've brought the reunification theme into several elements of it. Yeah. With the fathers and sons, and it touched on Riker's relationship with his dad briefly, yeah. mm-hmm. and perhaps Picard's with his. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the potential reunification of Romulans and Vulcans, and what will that mean for the Federation? Yeah. You know, that those are two big themes there. I found the whole debris storyline quite difficult to follow. Yep. And not compelling. So it came out as quite middle of the road for me, I think, concepts-wise. Because I wasn't really able to get excited about the main concepts. I'm going to go five. I remembered it being much better than it 
was on this re rewatching of it mm -hmm. and because I guess I'm really thinking about it and a lot of it doesn't make sense. So uh, for concepts, the father and son stuff, I think is really good. Trying to reconcile with family. Should you reconcile? That's a, also another thing. If both people are stubborn, maybe mm -hmm. that's just never going to happen. Yeah. And that's something to think about. You know, I'm thinking about all these really big, heavy things and about relationships, not science fiction. And I think that's pretty good. So I'm going to go a little bit higher and give it a six. Mm, okay. Yeah. Entertainment. It was too expensive to do as one episode. Why? I don't know. The prosthetics sets and costumes, you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why we've got two party here. But Jerry Taylor said the challenge was to tap dance well enough to sustain interest, <laughs> even though this highly anticipated character was not there. <laughs> Are we going to be able to keep the balls in the air enough to make that first episode work? Mm. Yeah. From Captain's Logs. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but enough well. to get people to watch it watch the second sure. one I expect yeah, yeah. yeah seeing Spock for two seconds at the end was underwhelming yeah. especially as we knew it was coming mm -hmm. Frakes said it was a cheat on the audience it was and you can always bank on Frakes for an honest comment yeah <laughs> I like that I enjoyed Leonard's performance a lot mm -hmm. yeah he was good and seeing him with Picard was great yeah Data and Picard scenes worked really well as well mm -hmm. um, given the script anyway Troy did something yeah. And Riker got a few noble scenes. Being tough, being in command, doing yeah. the right thing. Mm -hmm. Nice to have some comedy from Picard and Data. They're trying to sleep scene. Mm -hmm. And I think they were attempting it with the Data is behaving too androidy on Romulus. Um, but it made me appreciate the comedy of Star Trek Four, that pairing of Captain and Logical Other uh -huh. trying to fit in. Yeah. Well, double dumbass on you. Yeah. <laughs> Worked brilliantly in there didn't yeah, it so funny what was les up to with his framing uh, everybody talking to camera facing away from each other like they're on stage or in some wacky music video i guess mm. and con loads of conspicuous zooms and things like that yeah uh camera work pulling focus from the story uh, get it yeah i do soup woman was great if brief yeah, in the she, restaurant she was wonderful the other two actresses were a bit dodgy or directed weirdly for me, credit to Stuart, though, for avoiding or refusing the dodgy direction, uh, unlike Frakes, who did fall into that trap a little bit. Right. Jerry Taylor also agreed to write the novel based on this episode in 30 days <gasps> at the same time as writing the episode. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Yeah, she said that's a month she'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, I loved Klim's costume, one of the best of TNG. Yeah. So a mixed bag, again, hmm... I think I'm going to have to maybe come out as a five again. Wow. Uh, I still enjoyed it. It had its weird things, but those weird things didn't last very long. The stuff with Sark and Picard I thought was great. I was totally riveted. It was the good TV and the, the funny bits were good. But overall, there was a lot of bad stuff. So I'm going to go out to a seven. I'll give it a six, actually. Okay. Sexiness? Not really an element of it, was no, it? Well, no. just 2.5 2.5. Stupid experts. <laughs> <laughs> why was it their job to do anything with the debris, are you thinking? Yeah, well, that. Uh, why, would, why didn't they prepare? Yeah, or why did they go when they knew everybody was expecting oh, them? Oh, yeah. Why do they think Spock is defecting to Romulus? Oh, like, all yes, these just weird things wouldn't. that didn't make any sense. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give this a high stupid experts four. Oh, wow, four. Really? Well, Gosh. Three. Three, yeah. I think you're probably right three. there. Why did Picard have to go there in person to tell Spock? What was he just, he was just trying to retrieve him or something? What was the, 
What was the end game of that? Well, well just the whole idea that he was going to be able to sneak to Romulus. Like, oh, it's come if. on, it's it's preposterous. Yeah, breaking the treaty as well and going into the neutral zone. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Risking war and death. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of it doesn't really make any sense. That is quite stupid. Three point five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your guesses. Well, my guess was that Spock wouldn't have defected to the Romulans. You don't know yet. Well, I don't. So that... <laughs> Remains to be seen. <laughs> he hasn't become an enemy, but his involvement is unknown. Cliffhanger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Well, I guess we will. I want to thank all of our wonderful patrons for your support. Hopefully, uh, I know this is a well-loved episode and we haven't uh, made anybody too sad about uh, it. I might love the second part. And I know we've got an interview with the director in one of Ben's magazines to draw from with that. Yeah. See what the heck he was up to. Yeah, maybe he'll explain some of those <laughs> over the shoulder, looking yeah. in the distance, talking things. That's right. So bizarre. But with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you're listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek!